Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson nope, and Jonathan Gordon. I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. You're going to hate it? Yeah. All right, here we go now. Get behind that line. We're going to do it right. Do it right. Do it light. Let's go. Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson and Jonathan Bourne, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. Find all of our great content at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Well, John, Titans fresh off the win over the Indianapolis Colts. Feels pretty good to be 8-3, and three, uh, seeing this team on the winning ways. First in the division, sole place, first place in the division. Got to think, looking ahead to their schedule, you got to think this is pretty positive. The Titans can keep up the performance and the play that you saw this last weekend. Yeah, I really feel pretty confident that they probably have about one win left in them. <laughs> one and four. At least. So it is written. <laughs> so it is written. They will go nine and seven. But no, in all seriousness, it's it was a really nice uh I don't want to say bounce back, bounce back from two weeks ago. Obviously you had the Ravens game in between it, but uh the ability to go out there and win, but not not just win, but win convincingly in not just the score, but in the way the game played out, it's hard to you know, make any sort of argument of who was the better team. Two weeks ago, the Colts were absolutely the better team. This week, the Titans absolutely were the better team. And there's no real way of, hey, that game could have, game could have gone either way. Now, the best team was the Titans, and that's what you want out of any game. Even if you're a Colts fan, you don't want to lose these games where, uh, you know, you feel like you deserve to win it kind of thing. If you're going to lose, lose. Lose to a better team, and that's what happened on Sunday. Yeah, and there's a little bit of, uh, just to touch on that for a little bit, because there's, I think the first the first matchup, right, there was a little bit of, I don't want to say excuses, but there were some points to some a drop from A.J. Brown, some special teams, gaffes that, that contributed to the loss, right? But with all that being said, it was still very clear that the Colts were the better team that night. And as you just said, the Titans were very clearly the better team this Sunday. So where does that leave you, just in your opinion, from watching both teams play? Are they, is it closer to the first game? or closer to the second game? What's the truth here from your, in your opinion? I mean, I think it would be somewhere in the middle. I think I'm not sure that even if the Colts were at full health, it makes much of a difference with how that game played out. The Titans made some adjustments after the first two offensive drives for the Colts. Their defense improved based on scheme and execution, but uh, it was some, it's one of those that yes, obviously having DeForest Buckner, possibly the defensive player of the year in there would, would make some differences, but it, look, they weren't down 11 guys on defense. So right. when you look at the Colts, yes, that game is probably closer, but I think the Titans more so didn't shoot themselves in the foot. And I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. I think the, the Colts are still a good team, but the Titans, I think, when they're firing on all cylinders, are the better team. Yeah, the thing that bothers me, and I think that what should worry Colts fans, is that you you have this, what was perceived as a, as a top defense in the NFL, and, and they are when they have all their players, for sure. But one player does that to you, and I know it was against a team that would like to take advantage of the run, and a defensive lineman was not in there. But to me, if they're as good as what's advertised, then it shouldn't have made that big of a difference. And plus, it's just one of those games, too. I think the Titans caught them a little bit. And the offensive line was on fire. It's, it's the best game for the Titans offensive line-wise. Uh, we can talk about just in a little bit about the best game of the year, if it was for the defense or not, for the Titans as well. But the offensive line, just the holes that they were opening, Nate Davis continues his, as it's come out on Twitter here recently, his Pro Bowl march. 
here that he, he really has been great all season. He's been steadily improving, and he was good again this game. Really good. And not to mention just Nate Davis, but Glessenberry. What I mean, what a journey. It's been covered a lot. If you don't, if you're not familiar, go look it up. It's fantastic. Just just the the eight year journey that this gentleman's been on to get his first start at left tackle for the Titans and really play exceptionally well. Uh, I think he gave up the one pressure, but at the same time, he didn't. I didn't notice him getting a ton of help from the outside uh, as far as chips and everything in this game. He really kind of held his own, and in the run blocking, he was fantastic as well. The tosses were working for the Titans all game, and when the tosses are working, you got you got to credit everybody. The guards getting up to the second level to be able to, to cut off the linebacker pursuit, but also those tackles for setting the edge and the, and the tosses, and those weren't always there earlier in the season. Now the Titans come back around, and they really had great success from the toss, but they had success in everything they ran, from their counter schemes to their inside zone to their stretch off tackles with blasting game leading the way off out of the backfield uh, in the blocking, I mean. So really just banner day for the offensive line. I know I've gone on here for a minute, but I really was. It was just – it was fantastic. Uh, kudos to them. And they just really – so my point there with all this is I don't, I don't really know if it would have mattered who was in there for the Colts because the Titans just seemed to be – on their A game. And if they can play like that with how they like to run, or excuse me, how they like to run the offense, yeah, uh, through Derrick Henry a little bit, through his running and the play action off of it, and then allowing uh, Tannehill to make safe, smart plays to your two dynamic receivers, and it feels really good to say that, and Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, it's going to be tough to to stop this team, especially in a playoff environment. Yeah, I mean, it's it's – Look, the biggest thing for this team, they call it a throwback team with the way they like to pound the rock and be physical. The way that they do that, you want to be a little critical of Art in that sometimes he got a little too cute, especially down around the goal line. You'd almost prefer that he just kind of, hey, stick (laughs) with what's working and hand the ball off. Until they stop it, keep running it. You don't want to go like full Madden on them, but at the same time, be like some of the Madden players that run three plays and that's it. Because until they stop it, there's no reason to get fancy. So I'd like to see more of that uh, let's play out the feel of the game here. And if you want to be that old school team that can just pound it down somebody's throat do it yeah and that could really would have shortened the game even further if they just would have kept pounding it as well and they did and now in the second half to their credit they didn't get too cute they just said we're gonna ride this out boys and we're gonna get this game over with but what you're talking about is the first half on the goal line where it and i thought it or i said it and you thought i can't remember what it was during the game but basically it's like we're cool if it's four handoffs to derrick henry right here just just go just get it in there and i think i think the very next play was uh something other than that but still they got in but you just kind of get in a point as a coach where i think we talked about it a couple weeks ago where you just have to just quit out thinking yourself sometimes and especially with the way the titans were running the ball early there was no reason to really get like you said too cute outside of that though we talked about the blocking but the passing game was working. It was there because the running game was working so well. It was just a great balance from the offense. And I got to tell you, when the way this game started, you thought it was going to be first to 60. We talked about that on the halftime show. But it was – they traded – it was four possessions in a row for, for the two teams. So two possessions each where it was touchdown, 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 touchdown. So you thought, well, where – this has got to give at some point in time. And when the Colts were the first to stop the Titans, I got to just kind of sit there thinking, okay, great. They just kind of stole a possession. They get the ball first, second half. They stole a possession because the NFL and tight games, you want to try to keep that possession advantage, especially with how easily they were scoring for both teams there. However, the defense stepped up, was able to stop the Colts on the very, like three and out the very next series after the Titans had to punt. 
gave the ball right back to the Titans, and the Titans score, and they score in the next three possessions. So, I mean, that was just the turning point in the game. Defense came to play today, or that day, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, the the Titans, obviously, they benefited from Anthony Costanzo going out. But, you know, watching it back, yes, it obviously impacted the game. But the overall, it wasn't just the left side of that Colts offensive line that was having trouble. Uh, they The Titans were manufacturing some pressure through a couple of schematic things from slants from their uh, defensive front, from the nickelback blitzes, from bringing Kenny Vaccaro down from the safety position. So they've been known for that kind of manufactured pressure. And this this is something that really started to come true in this game. So even down a guy like Jadavian Clowney, they're still able to get that kind of pressure there, and that was good to see. But on the uh, or when they first came out, they, their adjustment to two weeks ago when Naheem Hines had the game of his career against them was rather than having linebackers matched up against Naheem Hines, they had Kevin Byard in a lot of situations matched up again in man coverage against him. Kenny Vaccaro got some reps there as well. Well, the what you saw in the first opening, the opening two drives is that the Colts came out with what we'll call man beaters, and uh, that's going to be these kind of manufactured pick plays that they do, and what. The problem that you saw that the Titans defense was having is that you'll talk about levels and how you see these defensive backs lined up. This is my coaching point of the week, by the way. Coaching <laughs> point of the week right here. That's my new, I've branded it. So, coaching point brought to you by uh, Pick a Beer. I yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's... Uh, when you talk about levels, these DBs, when you see them lined up in man coverage, when they're in press, a lot of times uh, you don't want them lined up, you know, right next to each other. And the reason for that being is those those wide receivers, you know, they're lined up number one, number two, number three. They're not going to stay in that order most times. They're going to shift. They're going to cross. And that's where those DBs can get crossed. You want to have enough space to give yourself room to work and still take your man. There's a couple different ways to do that. Now, the first way would be that levels and making sure that one, that they're kind of offset. So one DB is lined up a, a yard or two behind the other so they're able to move around. The other way is that you have to be able to communicate with your DB, that, with your, uh, your teammate, and that if your guy immediately goes in or outside relative to where you're lined up, you're able to make that exchange really quick. So when you talk about reading two to one or three to two, and that, that's, it's where you're able to make the exchange exchange of your man that you're guarding in a split second but those are things you have to have communicated pre-snap you can't make the decision after the snap that you're going to exchange guys because that's where miscommunications and breakdowns and coverage happen so you have to have a plan going into the snap on how you're going to play this should you get that look and that I don't think the Titans did a great job of that they obviously were trying to play uh, where they were going to stick to their guys and they didn't have the levels concept worked out. So you saw a lot of times where Kevin Byard would get picked. The other thing you see is uh, the Colts are very good at running these pick routes. A lot of times you have good teams and you have bad teams at running this. Bad teams, they'll run out. that looks like their guy's going out to block the DB. That's illegal. That's offensive PI. I'll scream about it because it's terrible. Good teams... You'll see it looks like they're running the round, they get in the way, or they'll go post up and turn around and look for the football like they're running a little hitch route, which puts the ref in a situation, well, was he running a pick route? Was that just his route combination? So the Colts are very good at running these pick routes. And oh. so that's where uh, I think the Titans did not do a good job in those first two drives. To your point about simulating a route there, one of the things the Titans have done recently, and it was against the Ravens on John o. Smith's first touchdown of the game, is they ran. And they had 
Gressenberry in at that point in time as the extra offensive lineman, but he tagged in as eligible to uh, to go out on a route. And what he did was he ran right at the middle coverage uh, on the goal line and didn't block anybody, but just his big body got in the way. So he didn't run a hitch route. He didn't really touch the guy, but he just kind of slowed up in front of him and allowed Johnny Smith to get open and not have to have deal with two people trying to, to fold into his coverage instead of just the one. So just things like that you got to look for. And, and you don't always have to be a receiver. It can be creative. It can just be a big body that's tough to see around. No, absolutely. And so I think the, the Colts, in speaking of offensive linemen and extra offensive linemen, there was a play in this game where the uh, the Titans actually tried to get another offensive line touchdown. Aaron Brewer was the extra offensive mm-hmm. lineman they brought in here. And big man got some respect. He actually pulled two two Colts defenders with him. So, uh, you know, you love, you love to see him catch the touchdown pass, but you actually, you know, there's some mad respect if you're pulling a double team on your one route. I'm definitely, st- I'm, if I'm, if I'm, Aaron Brewer, I'm talking about that right now, about how A.J. Brown ain't even getting double teamed every single play. So, I mean, in Aaron Brewer, yeah, I got double teamed. I have a 100% hit rate on defenses double teaming me on my routes. <laughs> right, so back to your point about the the pick routes. I mean, because when it's run properly by an offense, it's, it's pretty dangerous, right? When they, If they run it right and if it's not defended properly, and that's what you're talking about. And you like to see that when they, when especially when the, the team can run up in like a trips or a bunch formation, you know some some trickery is coming up or something you have to be aware of. So you're looking at your corners and your in your safeties, your coverage pieces that are out there, and you see them turn around talking to each other. So that's step one. So they want to communicate, like you were saying, who's out, who's in, all this kind of stuff. So that feels good. But then you've made it a point, too, in those situations as well, is that you've got to get up and get physical to really throw off the timing route for the offense. Because if you can do that, then it doesn't – Fallen well because it's going to be a quick pass more than likely. They're trying to get someone open, break someone away. So if you can throw that timing off and you can have your your other defenders a chance to recover, that's what you look for. So like if even if you look out there and see the communication that builds up, but then you don't see them stepping up ready to be physical or something around that or something to that matter, you still kind of go, ugh. Right, you got a half right, so you kind of have to get all the way there. So it's just a complete and total team effort on those types of routes and plays that you have to be on alert for to stop as a defense. Yeah, and I mean it's funny when you talk about those uh, those bunch routes where you'll have those three wide receivers lined up very tight uh, in kind of a triangle formation. It's uh, that same sort of levels concept. They're giving themselves enough space because they're all going to go in different directions. So how you kind of break that up? It's going back to that Malcolm Butler play in the Super Bowl. Get physical with that point guy oh, yeah. because it throws off the timing of all three receivers most of the time. And the Titans had not been doing a good job of that. Des King has done a much better job when he's in that in at that nickel position of being physical at the point of attack and that helps out the entire defense because you're not just affecting one receiver in that situation so the titans coming out of this trying to move on from just this one concept the titans then coming out of those last two those first two drives move to more of a zone concept and they've gotten torched quite a bit uh, in zone this year but what you saw is tackling their tackling was so much better you saw one miss uh, one notable miss from Des King where he could have made a stop I believe it was on Hines for a uh, five yard gain and that's a guy that pounds the turf on the on the missed tackle that's a guy that cares about the missed tackle because oh yeah understands. he made it he made up for it like a, like two plays later I think if my memory serves correct I mean he's he's not down for long pounding that dirt for sure. 
Yeah, but you like to see that that just that impact. You know that the coaches are driving that home. How important it is that it's okay to give up five yards, but you got to come up. You can't let them make ten yards. Every tackle is important. It puts that team behind the sticks. So, and then the game kind of got away from the Colts. They they had an opportunity. I think uh, towards the end of the half, to, and we'll we'll kind of get into some uh, game management decisions by the Colts there. But they had an opportunity uh, around coming out of half to still be in that game, and it just really kind of. Uh, just snowballed for, for them. Yeah, and let's not pretend like the Colts. Like, people want to say the Titans are, are a team that can't really play from behind with how they're set up, but I don't think the Colts really are either just because they don't really like to hit those. They don't like to throw it deep too much, and whether they can or not, it's they like to live within themselves. So if they can very much control the pace of the game, that's where they like to live as well. So the Titans being able to throw them off seemed like it worked really well. But before we leave the defense real quick, a couple things I did want to bring up. Uh, David Long was pretty good in the game. Uh, and what I mean is like, he might have not, he might've missed a couple things in coverage. Maybe I think there's one pass in particular, but uh, he was close. He was there. So I thought he was relatively good in coverage, but where he was really good. And you notice the difference was how quickly he came up and the stops that he made. And it wasn't just him, but that was good to see. And, and uh, you hate that Jayon Brown's out because he was having a good year, but, when you see that your guy that comes in for him or someone who can come in and, and share some of those reps with other other linebackers comes up and can make that kind of a difference and, and a noticeable difference of that when when they're having a a free runner in front of them and they are on them quickly. And they and like you said, don't let a five yard gain turn into a seven, eight, nine yard gain. Because what the what the Titans really did to flip the script and, and, and turn the Colts down was that they weren't allowing them to get into those third and shorts because as the Colts have showed many, many times this year, they will go for it in fourth and two, fourth and three, fourth and one, those kind of situations. And they've got some pretty good, pretty successful at it as well. So you've got to keep them. Don't let them get to those situations. Don't let them make that decision. So yes, get them to third down, but get them, you know, third and, and off the field, but also get them to third and medium, third and long so that you take that decision away from that coaching staff. So that was the one good thing the Titans did. But again, Tart Landry really made a difference on the defensive line. I know, I know, tackle was out, all that good stuff. But Landry really came alive and was getting some good pressure. Tart was over. Quentin Nelson was making him just it gave him the business a little bit. I'm not going to lie. You kind of expect that that matchup to be pretty good between Nelson and Simmons, but with Tart doing it as well. Maybe some good things ahead for him. So you look at that. He's finally getting some play time. I know there's some things later on. What I wanted to ask you, though, is Long, it seems like with those kind of plays, could could have been a difference maker before now. What do you think was keeping him off the field for the Maduro? I know, I know injuries allow him to come onto the field, but he hasn't made a big impact, and this was his first ner- noticeable impact that he's made on the game so far. So what do you think has kept him off the field? I think pretty clearly the coaches don't really trust him to make the right assignments uh, or to do his assignment consistently. Um, I think, and there were a couple times in the run game where he picked the wrong gap. He's a guy that flies around and he does a great job of finding the football, but uh, that can also get you in trouble a little bit if you're running around blocks. And there was a, there was a couple plays that I saw watching it where he that showed up a bit. And sometimes coaches can again try to outsmart themselves a little bit, and it's hard to blame them when you're seeing a guy blow his assignment in practice and things like that. But sometimes guys are just ball players. And so I, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to, whenever Jayon Brown was healthy and he was playing, that's one thing uh, because it's look, David Long wasn't going to be playing. The coaches were not going to play him over Evans. That gives you a really small linebacking core. Now, 
against some teams, I think that's acceptable. And I would argue that that still is a good combination, having Brown and Long in the field at the same time. But that's not what the Titans believe, right, wrong, or indifferent. So not having when Brown is in there, you're probably not going to play both of them. And then you have a backup linebacker who is not a great special teams player from what we've seen and what the Titans coaches coaching staff believes. So from a roster management perspective, it didn't make a ton of sense. That said, it is hard to go back and not play, uh, you know, hindsight 2020 and what, what could he have given you earlier on in the season? Sure. It, it's a, it's a rough game to play. You don't really want to play that. I just want to make it known as, as there's reasons that we're keeping him off the field and maybe with the continued good plays, you build the trust and maybe you see him involved in some more things. Cause he's, he definitely opens eyes and he's definitely a difference maker in parts, especially when he has that free shot and to come up and make those, those, those quick stops on, on completions and, and run breakouts. So those were the kind of the defensive offensive things from the game. There was something, though, during the middle of the game, towards halftime, we kind of had a little bit of an argument about this, and we can get into it right now, is that a coaching decision that when you're playing a game and you're down or you know you're going to get the ball back or you want to get the ball back and kind of control how that goes, because the situation is, and I'm going to get the times wrong because I'm not looking at it, whatever, there was around two minutes left in the half. Is that correct? Like 2.30, one. So I can, I can lay it out. With a minute 45 left, the Titans pick up a first down. Just in the previous set of downs, the Titans had um, been moving it down the field. The Colts had gotten it to and to used two of their timeouts. On the third down play, the Titans pick up the first down. Let's put them in first and 10 from about the 13-yard line. Uh, the Colts decide they're going to use a timeout there to save the clock, which preserves a minute 45 left. But again, they have no timeouts left. So at this point, the Titans are in position that um, even in a worst-case scenario, they're getting that clock down to about 10, 15 seconds left and then probably kicking a field goal to put them up it at minimum 10 points, a two score game at worst, they score uh, a touchdown with 10 seconds left. So that was the game situation. Right. And so the thinking here is, is that the Colts, you, you, you make a call out there, possibly a team. Let's just, let's not even say Colts. It's a team in that situation where they just call the timeout to preserve time on one of the, the next plays you want to say, maybe let the other team score. And why you do this in this situation, the Colts were going to get the ball back, the ball first in the second half. So what you're thinking there is you get the ball. You've hit your offense has had some pretty success. If you can, if you can drive down the field and two minute offense and score real quick and get some kind of points minimum, like you said, a 10 point swing, possibly, from getting the ball back, being able to go down the score and then get the ball back and see what happens. So you have a little more control there to get points before the half and then get the ball back. So you kind of, you kind of go back to back there and have a double up, right? Otherwise your, your, your other scenario is they're going to score points. Anyway, we don't get the chance to get it again. And then we just get the ball in the second half and only get to score one of those two sets of drops. So the, the logic is there and we'll let you get to it in, in the second, but I think you got it already. Nothing for me to get to. <laughs> no, I know, but but you, I guess what I'm getting, and go ahead with this. You think that's what the Colts were doing? I think if there was a team, it's the team that has been going for it on every fourth down because it strategically makes sense that uh, Frank Reich is a guy that will throw conventional wisdom into the wind and is going to maximize his team's opportunity to, to win. Um, and I think in that situation, that is the only real logical explanation. Otherwise, I don't understand why you take the uh, that, that time out because at that point, once the Titans are picked up the first down in conventional wisdom of our defense is going to still try and get the stop here. I can't continue to call timeouts. So 
you're not gonna I, I would say you either save it or there's no real point in it. They take that timeout, you let them score, because otherwise, look, like you said, the Titans, uh, let's say they score with ten seconds left. Yes, you can come back. You're and if say you score a touchdown, let, let's just let this play out and see if the Colts, what I think they were actually doing, let's say if it played out in their favor. The Titans score their touchdown with a minute forty five left to go up fourteen points. You have a minute forty five, you go down the field at that point, and you either score a touchdown, which puts you down seven, which will presumably not leave much time left on the clock for the Titans, so then you get the ball back at the kickoff of half. You go down and you score again. This is a team that had been moving it up and down the field at the beginning of the game. you got to have belief in your offense to continue to do that. And at this point, you kind of know how the Titans have been moving the ball. You need points. You need to steal that possession. Letting the Titans score with a minute 45 is essentially stealing a possession in there. So if you get that ball back at the at half, you go down you score again, it's a tie ball game. Even though the Titans had dominated the first half if you let them score right there you have an opportunity to have a tie game and then it's nil nil and at that point it's anybody's game. Now, obviously what happens is the Colts come out, they have a holding penalty, they end up punting back to the Titans, and I actually think the Titans <laughs> go conservative. So it didn't play out the way the Colts, I think, wanted it to. But strategically speaking, we always talk about bad decisions are bad decisions regardless of the outcome. Good decisions are good decisions regarding regardless of the outcome. Colts don't care if you lose by 21 or you lose by 2. It's not... You're not. It's not college. You're not worried about style points. You're worried about getting your win. And I think letting the tight letting the Titans score with the minute forty five more maximizes your chance of winning that football game than it did by running that clock down. And I think the Colts believe that too. Yeah, and the the reason why if if they were doing it, I think this is the because I agree with the the ideology of it in in principle. Like I, I I agree with you, and I think that. They're definitely on the table for them to do that. Why I don't think they were, or if they if they were, not every player got the memo because there were some people making some all out efforts, and there was others that weren't. So I mean, I was it was very much okay. Well, then why is this guy trying so hard to tackle Derrick Henry on this eleven yard run? And but then you, you see Leonard who is just kind of lollygagging in the middle, and that's very non typical of him. So I, I don't know. I'm just kind of like in that close of a game, maybe they're just trying to keep him the field goal and that's their, their, their strategy. And they're just trying to save the time. I, I, you know, but that's the thing. If you give up the field goal though, then you're still at best at your best case scenario in that point. Cause if you give up the field goal, they're still getting the ball back with 10 seconds left. You're not doing anything with that. So at that point you're, you're coming out of halftime hoping at best to be down three points. I don't think that does you any good. Now I think, I also don't think everybody on the defense has to have the memo if you've been watching that game. The only player on that defense that was making any sort of real plays was Darius Leonard. You take him out there, and then guess what? You're saying, okay, well, I don't need to tell all the DBs to do this, but hey, maybe, Darius, you hold up here a little bit. and Because he didn't even really get touched on that play until he was about four or five yards away from it, and he makes a little instep on the safety who was cutting down. So I, I don't know. They may not have been doing it. They may have lucked into what I think would have been the right decision. Um, <laughs> I, I, but there, there were a couple telltale signs, and like I said, if there was a team to do it, I'd say it's either Frank Reich and the Colts or Bill Belichick and the Patriots that would strategically make that decision. Sure, and, and again, like I said, I don't agree with, I don't disagree with the the thought process. I just, from what I saw and the majority of that defense on that play, I was like, well, I don't think that's what they're doing because why are they trying so hard if that's the case? Now, again, they they don't think that. Also, they get the ball back and they think the worst things happen is they punt the ball and the Titans run the clock out, which they tried to do, but then the Titans go forward on fourth and four and hit that shot to, to Corey Davis down so close where they're able to just 
go right in and, and, and have the, the Tannehill uh, rush for the touchdown. So they're probably thinking that's not going to happen either, as conservative as the Titans can be as well. They're not going to try to hit that shot and go for it in fourth and four and go for it and, and just really put the, the gas pedal down. Well, I think ultimately it's not even so much you're worried about the Titans scoring more points. I think you have to steal that possession. You can't afford to go down uh, truly two scores. And you got to believe your offense is winning that game. Sure. And so it, at that point, you bet on your offense. It didn't come through for the Colts, but I don't necessarily hate the decision. Yeah, there's no way that they thought they were going to go three and out on the that, that very next drive either way, whether they let them score or not, I guess is what I was saying. And, and they, I think they would think that the probability of the Titans pushing the envelope that close to half probably wouldn't be there, but they did. And it worked out for the Titans because then it really, the game was never in question again. And the last thing I want to talk about the game for myself, just because the second half was just to me, it was some keep away that the Colts score, but the Titans did the right thing by making them drive really shortening this game length down and, and still running the ball. But the AJ Brown called onside kick. That's awesome. I just I, it doesn't really, there's no coaching there. I just, I just love that it happened and that AJ Brown called his shot before it happened. Yeah, I mean, you rarely ever see something like that. Just a horribly, horribly executed onside horribly. kick by the Colts. The fact that you have normally there's at least a you know a collision in front of the person, but it was so wide open and no Colts even around the ball whatsoever that AJ didn't even think about just catching it and going down. It was the the Red Sea parted and the Colts had no clue where the ball was at. Yeah, you can tell. This is going to go for my receiving yards. <laughs> no, it goes for a touchdown though, and it was it was. I mean, it's a awesome play for him, but it just kind of goes that if, if A.J. Brown gets a pass to first level, that dude can score from anywhere on the field. If he can get angles, he's just, you know, I, I still go back and question, how did Ole Miss lose games when they had him and, and D.K. Metcalf? I just, as an offensive-minded guy, I just don't get it if you have those two weapons. And, and again, it's, you know, maybe coaching, those kind of things can explain it. But Titans get the big win there versus the Colts. Eight and three, in control of their own destiny. For again, this season it seems they've had a really good season here, but they got to, they got to finish out strong. But one of the things that has been plaguing them throughout, and a kind of a common theme when things weren't going well, especially for the defense, was not having a defensive coordinator. So some names that have come up here recently. We just want to address this because this is a coaching show, and the coach's corner is. A name that's been talked about, if they were to get fired in the last few weeks, maybe they could be a a defensive coordinator for the Titans, and that's Matt Patricia, who just finished his career as the Detroit Lions head coach, 13-29-1, so very uninspired. You hear the stories about the players uh, having mimosa parties when he's not not there, and all the players, former players, talking about, I guess it wasn't me, just a lot of bad stuff going on there. Now, to that point, just because he was a bad head coach doesn't mean he's a bad defensive coordinator. But how much of him being a good defensive coordinator was directly related to Bill Belichick and those kind of things? So at this point in time, I don't personally think he would be a good candidate to come in, regardless of what the Titans need or don't need. I, I, I don't like him for the Titans D.C. at this point. Well, I think it's just funny how many people talk about bringing guys in midseason. Just let me know the last time that that happened. Or, Yeah. I mean, literally, I mean, this idea that you're just going to bring somebody in and install a defense midseason, it's asinine to me. Right. That's that's what people don't really understand is that he's going to have to learn a whole new language if they come in. Players have to learn. It's a, it's a learning curve for everything. And when you're this deep in the season, it's just not advantageous to do. 
just remember how how many years we talked about how uh, Marcus Mariota had no time to really learn an offense because he only had one offseason. So not only are we going to say that, you know, not just one offseason to learn it, you're going to say midweek you're just going to install or be able to run an entire defense. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Right. So anybody coming in would probably be not a great idea. Let's just be honest. But a name out there that, Maybe get fired as well as, as Vic Fangio, the Broncos head coach. And I know we just got done saying don't bring him in, but I would maybe kick the tires on at least seeing if there's some kind of back channel thing that can be done to, to see about. Because that, that's definitely someone for defense coordinator that I would want on the Titans for next year because it may not work out again just because someone doesn't have the greatest head coaching resume or whatever. That's a defensive you know, guru. I, I would. I would kill Fangio as the defensive coordinator just in a boat, like in itself, just the idea of it happening. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you, you use the uh, vaunted Nick Saban title of what, like defensive quality control coach, defensive yeah. assistant or whatever. Oh, oh you Keep mean him, college, up, college yeah. head coach rehab? Yeah. Uh, Alabama. <laughs> put, put him up in the booth. Let him advise on some things. Obviously he can't call the defense because there is terminology he's going to have to learn, but you kind of get him in the building and then you can, you know, pick his brain on some game planning things. I think that's where you could see some sort of an advantage. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, this is an off season conversation and I think if Vic is available, then yeah, it's definitely a guy you look at. Um, but you know, mid season to quote, to quote, uh, you know, Bill Belichick, we're on to Cleveland. <laughs> yes, we are on to Cleveland. So Titans get, uh, off, a team that could have been eight and three stop that. They now get a team that is eight and three, uh, second in the AFC North. But one thing, just because I, I always do this when I want to look at a team is how they're performing, how many points are they scoring, how many points are they not scoring. They got a twenty-one point differential, which means that they're being outscored, and they're still eight and three. So to me, it's a little bit of a false record. They just struggled with the Jaguars, who were missing some. Uh, you would I don't really want to call that a good football team, but they were missing what I would consider good football players for that team. And the Jaguars were, and the Browns struggled with them. Now they do get. It sounds like they're getting Miles Garrett back for this game, but they are losing some secondary pieces in Harrison and uh, Denzel Ward possibly being out as well. So, where are we at with the Browns? Because I've just never gotten the impression from watching them play and the little the, the game film that I saw from the Jaguars game and from a couple weeks past is I just this this screams a streaky team that's not very good. They just have. I think they're a little bit of a fraud at eight and three. Yeah, I mean, they're very similar to the Titans of several years ago with a strong run game, and they definitely have a strong run game. Oh, yeah. Um, but the offensive passing game is going to let them down at some point. I don't know it'll be this week. Here's the thing about the Titans. This is still the same team that lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, but, yes, the Titans are a much better team than the Browns. The I mean, also, they're, they're this, the Browns are the same as the Titans as a couple years ago, plus Miles Garrett, because they've never had a player like Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is an absolute freak, arguably the best uh, edge rusher in the game, and he absolutely is. This will be a big test for Questenberry, and uh, that will be really the determining factor for me on offense, on what they can do there. I think the Titans, though, still should have the opportunity to kind of pound the rock, and yeah, maybe you run it right at Garrett, or, or you run away from it. There's two different uh, thoughts, uh, thoughts Thoughts of that, and um, I can let you talk about that a little bit. But the Browns, yes, I don't think they're as good as their record, but it's still the NFL. Any team can show up except for the Jets. And so outside of that, 
it, the Titans got to go and make it a it, it's a business trip. Yeah, if the Falcons, let's just put it in perspective. If the Falcons can do what they just did to the to arguably who is the it team as far as just coming, you know, the underdogs in the Las Vegas Raiders, and just absolutely the dismantling this last weekend. I mean, the Falcons were dead in the water, and they did that. I just. It's it, it's it's a crazy NFL season. So, like you said, the only team that I'm going to guarantee is going to lose week to week until they prove me wrong is the New York Jets because they're just incompetent at all levels. There, it's just enough there. That whatever the Jets are terrible. So the Browns are not the Jets. They're not terrible. So when I say they're a little bit of a fraud, I just don't think they're as good as what their record shows. Is all I mean by that. But I also don't think they're like an O and. 16 team like they're they've got some talent there Mayfield can get hot he, he, he has this cycle right and I covered this on on the flex at one point in time as well is that what, what part of the cycle is Baker Mayfield in is he on the okay people are giving him respect again because that's when he sent, tends to let his teams down it's after that when he gets started to get questioned he fights with the media then he has a chip on his shoulder then he plays well for a stretch so it's just what, where is he at now it's it's very streaky player there but he can make some plays and, and he is mobile to a T, but he he's very erratic with his past game as well. But to touch on what you said a second ago with Gary to run at him or run away from him, what you want to do is you want to try to attack directly at him, not give him a chance to use his athletic ability to affect plays and to try to run things down in a short space. So you've got to either steer way clear of him, block that backside, or run straight at him, attack him, so that you make him make a decision, make him use his athletic ability against him, and let the, the Derrick Henrys of the world make the athletic plays to get around him. And he's less impactful in those kind of situations. Now, what you don't want to do is leave Questenberry on an Island all game. So I expect to see the Titans helping with going back to the chipping and um, helping out in those situations, wherever, you know, with either tackle just to give Tannehill a little more time, especially in those play actions. And for the love of God, don't naked boot to his side, whatever you do. If I see that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw things out of my window up here. <laughs> if I see that in the game, if they try to naked boot to Miles Garrett. Yeah, I mean, you got to be able to still be able to do what you do. The Titans aren't going to change up their entire game plan. and They've, they've always been a heavy chipping team. They've always been this run first team. That's not going to change. So I think, yes, Miles Garrett is going to have an impact on the game. But at the same time, I do think there's a lot of opportunity for them to uh, attack through the passing game, through their play action pass. So it's going to be more of the same on offense. I mean, defensively, I actually think this is a really good matchup for the Titans. I think, generally speaking, teams that they know what to expect and don't have the ability to really kind of mix it up and keep them on their toes are teams that the Titans are going to do really well with it team. Like you knew what the Ravens were going to do. They're going to run it right at you. The, and that's something that you take the guesswork out for a player like Rashawn Evans and a guy like uh, David long, who wants to just fly around. This is a matchup that the Titans, I think, are in good shape. I do think that the Browns are good enough in the run game to really kind of make some progress, have some have some good plays, but I don't think this is a situation where they're going to run for 300 yards on the Titans or anything. No, and I think this is kind of similar to, to, to um, uh, game plans in the past where you want to try to let quarterbacks make mistakes. I think that if you give Baker Mayfield enough leash, he can – he has cooked a little bit in the past, but he makes more. If you give him leash, instead of finding ways to make the plays consistently, sometimes he, he finds ways to give the ball away. He can make mistakes. He's, he can be inaccurate at times. He tries to freelance a little bit. He's got a little Johnny Manziel to him 
<laughs> is what I'm getting at at times. So if you give him that leash, sometimes he can make the mistake for you as well. You just have to play safe, play smart, come out and make your tackles tackles when you have the chance. Don't let that run game gash you. Don't let Chubb get those long runs off. Don't let you know the running game go off in that manner. And, and like you're saying, I don't think it'll be a 300-yard rushing game for the Browns either. So if the Titans can find a way to keep everything in front of them, and make the plays. Now, I, I don't want them to go away from being a little more aggressive because I don't think you can just let these teams make make plays in the entirely. So I think I'd like to see them mix it up a little bit because with the tackles and the pass blocking that the Browns have, I don't think that you're going to get tons of unmanufactured pressure on Baker. I think that you have to get a little creative still. And that that, that kind of fits with the motif for the Titans, right? I don't think that's any, asking anything abnormal for them to do, especially with what they what you saw in this last game. So I still think you, you want to go back to that a little bit as well. But I, I, I do agree with you. I think it's a good matchup for the Titans' defense. It's not They're not oh, 100% outmatched. It just comes down to me as, as how good can the Titans, if the run game can be like it was for the Titans this last weekend versus the Browns, it's going to be a long day again for the Browns. Yeah, prediction time, I think, for a big play. And it may not be this game, but the Titans have been setting it up. Cam Batson's going to make a big play here at some point. I don't know if it's going to be over the top because he had a couple plays. These these uh, plays were uh, either Corey Davis or A.J. Brown are running these deep crossing routes. The safeties are really starting to jump on those things. And Cam Batson has been open several times on that. I think the Titans are going to take advantage of that at some point. Um, also, don't I'm not going to be surprised if we see either Batson or Henry throwing a pass at some point soon. They've shown this wildcat with uh, Henry and Batson back there. They've shown Batson a couple times and kind of these speed sweeps from the quarterback position. Uh, at some point, they're going to put it on tape that they can throw, so defenses have to respect it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I also think that this would be a good game to get John, John Smith back involved as well. Uh, he's been kind of quiet here. Now, I know that he's had a couple touchdowns, but it seems like when they get him involved, they, they add an extra dynamic to their offense. Now, with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis making the plays, they are. Why go away from it? I, I get that. But at the same time, you know, in this situation, I think that with them being down a safety as well, I would I wouldn't mind seeing them to get Johnny Smith schemes in place to him to try to let him make an impact as well. Pull those linebackers out and try to give them something to think about in the pass game, so that that makes that clears things up even more for Henry in the run game. So I do agree with your prediction. Batson, it is it is nice to see them getting him involved and and getting those plays to that extra wrinkle, right? Not just not just the wildcat plays to him because he's looked dynamic in that. But just getting the ball in some short pass game and letting him work because he's everything that, that they wanted, you know, out of, of other receivers to do. He's just now you got to see those deep shots to him as well to see if he can really take over that role and become that complete player in that position that you want him in. Because he doesn't have to go out and make all the plays. He just has to be able to give you those wrinkles and give you that, give the defense something to think about when he's on the field because he could be that. I don't want to call him a gadget player, but. Yeah, a gadget to be able to use and to to either give the eye candy to pull the top off the defense at some point in time, or they've got to account for him at some point in time. Not that he's going to get every play or a ton of plays, but just keep feeding him a little bit so that the defense has to account for all the players. They can't just bank on it being A.J. Brown or Corey Davis. They they have something else they have to look for. That's why I was also saying John o. Smith needs to get back involved as well to keep giving defenses things to think about. Because if you have all those players involved and Derrick Henry and the offensive line are getting the run game going like they have been, Titans, like I said earlier in the show, they're going to be tough. They're going to be a tough out, man. 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that the way the Titans have played the last two weeks, that they're not one of the teams that could, I'm not saying they could beat the Chiefs, but that uh, would be in a good enough position to at least give the Chiefs a run for their money. Yeah, but up first before all that is the Browns. So let's get to your prediction on the game. Uh, what do you? How do you see this game finishing out? I know we've talked a big game. If you were listening so far, if you've held with us, it sounds like the Titans are going to easily win. But I don't know if that'll be the case because... For me, the Titans can sometimes let you down a little bit, especially as teams are supposed to be. So how do you see this game finishing up? Yeah, I feel actually pretty confident in the Titans here, which means that they will lose, but I feel pretty <laughs> confident that they win by at least 10. I, I just think that they are a much better team than the Browns overall. Yeah, I've got the score like 31-21, somewhere around there, or 34 to 21, something like that. Uh, but at the same time, like I've said, and, and you just said that when you are this confident is when they tend to take a step back. So hopefully they, they've kind of figured some things out. Hopefully this defense and this offense is, is not allowing themselves to step back and play down to competition. They can continue to play like they did versus the Colts and it'll be another good game for them. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Make sure that you're tuning in for the halftime show to catch us up. Uh, Jonathan, thank you last show for, for pulling that attention. I don't, I don't call that out enough. Every Titans game, we're going to do the halftime hits it's about a 10 to 12 minute show we try to get to everything we can from the game it's a good time we take your questions so if, you, if you're listening to the show come on check us out at halftime hits as well get your get your comments in if, if you've got some good ones we will read them on air and react to them and they're pretty fun because also jonathan and i have a game day uh tradition also where we take a shot per score it seemed to work out in the past years past we didn't really have to worry about whether we were gonna you know have liver failure or something but uh here recently it's been as much as the titans were scoring it's it's been a little uh worrisome so stick around for that as well because you, you who knows what you're going to see i think i i think i promised to jump off my roof if something happened so <laughs> i didn't remember saying it but going back and watching it i definitely did say it so all those things so come join us there and also come join us for the after after the game for the sunday night roundtable uh, it'll be a mixture of the crew from Broadway to come and react to the game. Just a pretty good time. Uh, Mr. Lebowski, Michael Gillen, does a great job hosting that, so come check that out as well. But until next time, this has been the Coach's Corner, part of Broadway Sports Network, partnered with 440 Sports. Remember to be sure and check out all the other podcasts, articles, and video breakdowns that Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN. Check out Jonathan at JB on Broad, myself at Ryan on Broadway, and the show at Coaches on Broad. Make sure you are subscribing to the show and rating five stars. Really appreciate it. Until next time, we out. See ya.